Well, I, I want to do something a little different um, as we get started today, and it's going to require some participation. Um, and so I'm going to ask you guys a question in just a moment. And, and I want you to push past that uncomfortable feeling, and, and I want you to be a part of, of the class, the community in this. And so this is my question. How many of you have ever been stuck in a dark season that you never thought that you would get out of, but you did? My hand's going up. I've been a part of that. I've been in that season. And I want, I want you to keep your hands up. And so I want to do something. Um, I want everybody to look around the room. If you've ever felt alone, if you've ever felt like you're the only one that struggles, um, I'm pretty sure like every hand is up. I've got two up from one gentleman over here. And that's great. Um, if your hand's not up, if you're, yes, put your hands down. If your hand wasn't up, you weren't a part of that, I want you to know that, that if you're in a dark season, if that's you, those are your people. Those are your people that have journeyed. They, they've, they've encountered something. They've experienced something different. And, and I hope the thing that you guys took away from that, that in a room of over 100 people in here, that we all have bad days. We all have bad seasons. We've all struggled with things in our life. And there's not a single one of us in here, unfortunately, that's going through something that's completely unique. I mean, we're just not, that, that we've all encountered things that are difficult. I may not have encountered what you've encountered, but, but I've struggled in areas of my life. And if you need somebody that's on the same page as you, I guarantee you that somebody in this room has a very similar story to you and can help you to journey through that. And so I, I love, I love the hands going up. And, and it's not because you guys have struggled. I want you to know that. And if, if, it, if, if it could be different, I wish that we didn't have to struggle. I wish that we didn't have to go through those things in life that knocked the wind out of us, that put us on our back. But... We do. It's a broken world we live in, and so we do struggle. But, but the thing that I, I love about that is, is every single person in here, notice the end of that question was, had a dark season and made it through. We're here today, right? Like we, we were able to pull ourselves together enough to walk through those doors, and what you have is a gift that gifts your story. That gifts your story, and that's what we want to talk about tonight. The title of tonight's message is this. It's um, Let's Talk About Recovery. Let's, let's talk about our stories. Let's talk about the thing that God has given us, that it's not something to keep secret. It's not something to keep hidden. It's something that we should communicate and talk about because it helps us and it helps the people in this room. And so we want to talk about sharing our testimonies, sharing our stories. And before you pull far way back, I'm not, I'm not talking about getting up on the stage. I'm not talking about that. I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. And so don't let your mind go there, that there's a way that you can share. There's a call for you to share that, that you can be a part of in, in your environment with the people that you're comfortable with, in your neighborhood, in your community, at your school, uh, with your family, within the people that you know, that there's a call that you have to talk about your recovery, whether it was from drugs or alcohol or, or broken relationships or, or, or any type of addiction, any type of stronghold. Maybe you struggled with, with self-hatred or depression or things like that, but you have a recovery journey, something that you've experienced, and we should talk about it. We should be open about it. We should be honest with the things that we've gone through. Anybody who's talked to me knows this, that, that I love my wife. I talk about her frequently. If you ever talk to us about our relationship, we'll, we'll tell you how much that we're there for one another. And then we'll also tell you how we struggle, that there's things that we go through. That, and we like to share that because we never want to give the impression to people that we have it all together. What good does that do you? If, if you think that we're walking through life and, and that we never fight, how does that encourage you in your marriage? But when you guys see us walk something out that's, that's different and to have a good relationship and to know sometimes they fight and, and sometimes my wife may or may not want to stab me in the face and, and we can still have that relationship, well, what an encouragement to you. 
What an encouragement to your marriage, to your relationship, to know that, that, that you can get on the other side. And, and when people see me in this position, I know that when I was stepping into this type of role, that, that I looked at people that had a much different walk than me. They, they never got high. They never got drunk. They, they never committed multiple felonies and, and did those things that I did. And, and for the longest time, I thought it was the thing that, that disqualified me. But what I learned is as I was able to step into this role, that's the thing that people look at. And they're like... Well, if God can use this jackhole, surely he can do something great in my life. I mean, if he put that back together and allows him to be used, surely God can use me. It ends up being an encouragement to those around us when we share those things. And, and oftentimes we want to pull back and we want, to, we want to stay hidden. We deal with guilt and shame. And that's the enemy. That's the enemy pulling you back from the call that God's placed on your life to share your story with those around you, to talk about your recovery so that we can be raised up together so that we can go far so we can kick the enemy in the teeth and knock him down and take back what's ours. And so that's what we're here for. That's what we're pushing. And so our key passage again for this was this, 1 Peter 3.15. If we can get that up on the screen. 1 Peter 3.15. This was written by the apostle Peter. So this was a guy that journeyed with Jesus. This was a guy that didn't have it all together. This was a guy who failed in life. Right, he denied Jesus. If you read your Bible there at the end, he denied Jesus. He said, I don't even know who that is. And, and Jesus was going on trial for persecution. But, but G, uh, Peter, he was later used by Jesus in an incredible way. And, and in this letter, he says this, um, instead, you must worship Christ as, your, as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always, say always. Always, always be ready to explain it. That, that there's, there, you can come to me. And, and you can ask me why I believe God. And, and if that's your question, I'm not opening my Bible for that. I'm, I'm going to share you what he's, I'm going to show you what he's done. I'm going to share what he's done. That's my hope as a believer. It wasn't because I showed up here one day and I was reading. It's like, ah, oh, that sounds great. That's not where it started for me. My hope in Christ came from the fact that I was supernaturally delivered from addiction, that he took that away from me. That's my hope as a believer. That's what I want to share in you, that, that I couldn't have a functioning relationship and he gave me a marriage, that, that I couldn't have the family I wanted, but in God's grace and goodness, he brought that. Those things are my hope as a believer. That's my hope. That's why I trust him. That's why he's so real to me. And that's why there's not a single person that can convince me otherwise. And so we need to be prepared to share that. Now, the thing is, that's not unique to me, that every single person in here has a story, that, that your hope as a believer, I seriously doubt, is because you stumbled upon a Bible and you're like, man, God raised that dude from the dead. Uh, no, it's because he's moved in your life, that there was something significant. And then the truth of scripture comes and then we begin to read it. Then God begins to use it to mold us and shape us and to bring it to life that, that the story came first. The impact from God's Holy Spirit was the thing that, that got us to begin to buy in. It was because significant real moves in our lives. And so we should always be prepared to share that with the people around us, to share our stories, to share our testimony. And so some of the most powerful things we can say is our own story. In each of us, we were given a story, our story, for a reason. Now, I'm not saying that God did things in your life on purpose, that, that those bad things, the bad things happen because sometimes we're stupid and, and sometimes other people are stupid. That, that, that's not God's hope and desire for you. But God takes those things, those bad things, he uses them for his good. And so, again, we're given a story for a reason, that God put us back together. 
He didn't make the bad things happen. But when we turn to him and live for him, that becomes our story from that point. And that was given, that redemption was given to us for a reason. And it's to share with the people around us. And so point number one is this. We are meant to share our story. We were meant to share our story. And so if you guys read through scripture, um, and you may be like me, when I first started coming into environments like this, I didn't know anything about church, Jesus, but we have our New Testament. So we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell the, about the life and the ministry of Jesus. Well, we learned from that at the end of Jesus's life, like he had been crucified, killed. He was dead for three days. God raised him back to life. And so he spent some time with the disciples in about another 40 days on earth. And then he ascended back to heaven. Before that, Jesus gave what we call the Great Commission. He said, go out into all the world, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like God said, this is your mission. Grow my church. And so that takes place in the Gospels. And so one of the Gospel writers was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. His name was Luke. He was a physician. Well, he also wrote the book of Acts. And so um, the Gospels kind of end with Jesus going back to heaven and that, that great commission. Luke begins with something very similar, same type of setting, but it's worded a little different. And so in Luke... Luke, or uh, Acts, sorry, Acts 1, verses 7 through 8, it says, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and those times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so um, Jesus was letting him know that there's going to be a moment that, that as I go away, I'm going to send your Holy Spirit. And now we live in a day and a time where, where we have that available to it right there. When we become believers, we have that. We don't have a waiting period. Um, and so that comes with something. And it says, and you will be my witness. Say witness. witness. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem. And so that's where we are. And we're talking about Jerusalem. When this was written to the people it was written about, that Jerusalem was where they're at. That was their home. That was like the Claremore for them. If you live here in Claremore, that that's the community. But he goes on. It says, um, in Jerusalem. Throughout Judea. So that's like the familiar region. We live in green country, right? And I can go anywhere pretty much in the state of Oklahoma, and I meet a lot of people that look like me and talk like me. It's familiar. Now, I don't live everywhere in the state of Oklahoma, but I can find a lot of rednecks like me all over the place. And so I like that. That's why I like Oklahoma. In fact, I can go to Texas, and I can almost find people as great as Okies. And so not quite. That was for you, Ronnie. Um, <laughs> But that's a familiar region. But as you go other places, like my wife, um, she's not from around here. Um, she's from California. Um, and the people there begin to look a little different than us. And so, but it's not such a familiar region. Things are done differently. Nothing against California, honey, but I'm glad you're here in, in Oklahoma. Um, and so, but Jesus said, go out. Go out into Jerusalem, go out into Judea, the familiar areas. And then he said, in Samaria. Now, when he says Samaria, that, that's kind of like California for Anoki. Man, we're getting into Samaria territory where, where things aren't friendly to, to, to people like us. They don't, they don't like the rednecks out there and, and things like that. But, but even beyond that, that when you talk about Samaria in this time, that Samaritans were people that were hostile to, to Christians. They were, they were hostile to Christians, or to Jews, sorry. They were hostile to the Jews, that the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't like each other. They didn't get along with one another. They, they didn't want to be together. And so when Jesus is talking about this, he's saying, go to those places that you don't want to go. Talk to the people you don't want to talk to. 
and, and begin to tell them about me. Now, the truth of the matter is, um, when the church talks about this, that oftentimes they're saying, hey, you need to go overseas to find a Samaria. Um, there's plenty of places right here in Claremore that are too friendly to people who, who want to live this type of life and do this type of thing. That, that there's, there's people in this community that don't want to walk out recovery. And so when we talk about sharing our stories, being witnesses in this regard, that you don't have to go very far to fulfill this. And then he ends it with this and to the ends of the earth. And so we have this call on our lives to share what God's done what he's done. And so when Jesus was given this to these people, they didn't have a Bible. That came later. Like New Testament came later. And so they weren't going out preaching from the book of Acts like I have the privilege to do today. That didn't exist. They went out with testimonies and stories. And they said, we walked with this guy. We talked to this guy. We witnessed his miracles and the things that he's done. They went out with testimonies. They went forth with that. And that was how they were witnesses for Jesus. That was how they began to spread the things that they were doing and to grow the church and to do what they were called to do. And so oftentimes I run into people and it's like, I can't do that. I don't know the Bible. They didn't have one. They didn't have one, but they could still share what God had done in their lives in a significant way to impact the people around them, whether it was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the outermost, that God's given us something that you don't need to be biblically literate to do. You just share what God's done in your life. You just begin to share that. And so the apostle Paul alone, he started 14 churches without a Bible. I love that. He wrote two thirds of your New Testament. Paul went out and did it without a Bible. And then we ended up with the Bible because that was his letters to the people that he was ministering to. And I love that. I love that. And so he had his testimony. In fact, we have three recorded instances where this guy was telling people about his encounter that, that caused him to convert, to become a Christian, to follow God. Three different times. That, that's what he did. He shared. This is what God said in my life. What's your, what's your hope as a believer, Paul? Well, I was a murderer, and, and God, he changed that, that he impacted me, that he brought me out of the depths of darkness, and he showed me a better way of living, that that was Paul's testimony, that was Paul's story, and that's what he used to grow Jesus' church, and we're called to do the same thing, and so again, point number one was we are meant to share our story, we're meant to share, um, but why do we share, and so um, the apostle Paul he wrote in Romans, um, it's Romans 10, that salvation is for everyone. That, that when we talk about this, it's for everyone. When we talk about recovery, it's for everybody. I can't, I can't drive that point home enough that it's not for addicts. It's for anybody who's broken. Now, my brokenness manifested it as addiction. That that's how I expressed all the broken crud in my life was by being an addict. But I know there's people in here, that's not your story. That didn't make you any less broken than I was. Or it didn't make you any more broken either. But that just wasn't your story. And so this is for everybody. Salvation is for everybody. In Romans 10, uh, 9 through 10, it says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And so that's the gospel message. Like we talked about this last week, that, that my hope for everyone that walks through the doors is to hear that, to know that, to place it in their heart, to believe it, and to commit to that relationship with Jesus. That, that's my hope for everybody. But how do we get there? Paul continues in, in verse 13. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that, that's, that's awesome. 
That's an awesome promise. That's an awesome gift that God's given us. It's incredible. It is story changing. It's why I can stand up here today and be different. But I had to hear about it first, right? I, I, had, to, I had to hear about it. To, to know that it was available, that it was possible. I had to watch people live a different life than I was living to even want to be encouraged to live that way and to be drawn towards it. I had to watch people have better marriages before I had the desire to have one of those. We had to be witnesses to these things. And when it come to a relationship with Jesus, I had to know that that was an option for me. I had to know what it looked like, how it was possible, so I had to hear it. And so Paul continues in verse 14, and he says this, but... How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And so when we talk about this, you know, becoming a Christian and becoming a part of this, that people have to know. But broader than that, when we talk about recovery, that there's people out there that are trapped in addiction that don't know that there's a place like this that they can come and feel welcome and that will help them and will be here and will love on them. How do they know unless somebody tells them and shares about what's going on here and shares with them? How do they know that, that you guys are the hands and feet that go out there and impact the community? I can't do it alone. My wife can't do it alone. Jill and Kay, we can't do it on our own, that we all have to come together and we have to tell people, hey, did you know that there's something different out there? There's something that's good. There's a place where you're welcome. Let's go together. Let's journey together. In fact, come sit with me on a Monday night and be a part of this. In fact, come sit with me on a Sunday morning and be a part of this. We've got to begin to share that so people's lives can be impacted because how can they believe if they've never heard? And how can they hear unless somebody goes out there and tells them that there's a different way to live? And we have the opportunity through our stories, through our testimony, to change the lives of the people out there. That, that even though we wake up and the enemy wants to convince us that we have nothing to offer, that, that we can't impact, we can't change anything. And that's a lie because your stories, your testimonies, your personal experiences, they mean more to the people out there than you could ever know could ever know. One of the people that has impacted me the most in my life, it was about eight years ago. I was at a men's conference and there was a man, his name's Mike Manlandro. Many of you may know him in this church. And I went to that conference. He, he never confronted me about anything in my life. The thing that he did is I watched him wake up one morning at that conference where nobody was watching and he got on his knees and he prayed to God and opened his Bible. And it was such a significant thing to me. That's like, I want that. I can have that. And, and I began to pursue something different. And it was just by him walking, living his testimony. And I've been impacted by people's stories when they share how, how God's transformed their lives and the things that's taken place. And so when we talk about this, we have to begin to share. And so point number two is this, our stories bring others to recovery. Our stories bring others to recovery. Um, I want you guys to do this. If, if you have a Bible, if you have the Bible app, I want you to open to John 4. Um, we're gonna spend just a little bit of time in this. By little, I mean probably way too much. Um, but... <laughs> John 4, John 4, and we're going to talk about the woman at the well, Samaritan woman. Um, if you've been in church any significant amount of time, you've probably heard this story. Um, bear with me anyways as we kind of travel through it. And so um, John chapter 4 and verse 1. And so kind of the thing that's taking place is, is Jesus is traveling with his, with his posse, with his disciples, and, and, and they're going, and, and they have to go through the region of Samaria. Um, typically, 
when, when Jews would travel, they would go around Samaria. Like they would avoid it because they didn't like the Samaritan people. They dealt with a little bit of racism back and forth. Like, I don't like you, you don't like me. It just, it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a healthy, they just didn't go there. And so Jesus, um, who came to crush culture in every way, especially during his time. Um, he's like, we're going through. We're, we're going in the middle of it. And so they end up in this village of Sakar, and, and there there's a well. It's Jacob's well. And so Jesus sends his disciples into the town, which was probably incredibly uncomfortable for them, to buy some stuff, to get some things, um, get some supplies. And Jesus sits by this well. And, and eventually this Samaritan woman shows up. Now there's a, there's a significant thing in here that's really easy to miss. Um, the significant thing is this, that, that women in that time, they didn't come to the well at noon. Like they drew water every day, but they didn't do it in the heat of the night. Um, if, you, if you're an oaky, Nobody wants to go out in July at noon and do anything. I mean, but melt, right? And so if you got work outside, you wake up early, you do it then. And so the women would typically come in the morning, the cool of the morning, and get the water that they needed for the day. In fact, it was a social activity, um, kind of like, you know, when some of you women may go to the restroom together and, and all the men don't know what you're doing in there. Um, so something very similar to that, um, that it's like you guys had to go together to do things. And so they would go draw water together. I'll get in trouble by my wife from that statement later. Um, <laughs> And so it was a social activity, and they came here. And so the fact that the woman was two things. She was alone and showing up at noon. We can make an assumption of her life that, that she was an outcast, that, that people didn't want her. She wasn't a part of the clique. She, she didn't get to go with the women in the morning, um, that, that her life had, had caused some shame and some guilt, and it caused distance. Like, she had to step back from everybody else in society. Now, it doesn't directly say that, but that's the assumption we can make because there's no other reason for her to be going out there at that time of day. And so Jesus begins to have this encounter with her, and they have some very pointed questions and some very pointed conversations, um, and, and Jesus begins to deal with her and talk to her about some broken areas in her life. And, and at one point Jesus is like go get your husband and she says well I don't have a husband and Jesus says I know you've been married five times and the man you're living with right now it, he's not your husband either and so in short Jesus told her who he was that, that he was the Messiah, what he was sent here to do, um, but that he'd come to offer something different, something better. Um, in, in that verse, if you read through there, and I encourage you to do so at some point, just read through John chapter four. Um, Jesus says, I've come to offer you living water. That, that, um, that, that when you drink from me, when you come into that relationship, that, that these things that the woman had been searching for, right? She'd been in brokenness. She tried to be fulfilled through relationships and things, much like I was tried, I tried to be fulfilled through relationships, through drugs. And you may have been tried to fulfill broken areas of your life with something else, that this woman has that similar story. And, and Jesus begins to deal with it and says, that, that's not what you need. You need me that I've come, I'm the Messiah, I've come to offer you living water um, and uh, the kind that will um, become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so this woman has this encounter with Jesus. And so in that moment, um, she, I mean, she ends up being saved. And, and I mean, we can only speculate, but that her life beyond that was radically transformed. But in that moment, this is what she did, and this is so significant. She ran back to the village. And in verse 29 and 30, it says this, come and see. Say, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. That's, that's funny to me. It, 
And by funny, I mean incredibly encouraging because everything that she'd ever done is what kept her isolated from society. Everything she'd ever done is the reason she was probably at the well at noon away from everybody. But she has this encounter with Jesus and that broken place in her life, she's like, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. And it continues, could he possibly be the Messiah? And so she goes and shares, come and see. He's been dealing with my broken places. He's been dealing with my guilt. He's been dealing with my shame. I've been being transformed by this man. Come and see. Come and see what he's done. Come and see who he is. Could he be the Messiah? And then it goes, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Not a single person in that village would have known he was there had it not been for the woman that said, come and see the man that dealt with these things that have embarrassed me, that have isolated me, that's kept me from the things in my life. Come and see. And because of that, they stream forth from the village and they begin to have an encounter with Jesus. They begin to have their stories impacted, their life impacted. And by the end of it, they beg Jesus, please stay with us. A Jew in a Samaritan village. It's ironic. They didn't like Jewish people Jewish people didn't like them. And they said, come, stay with us. Don't leave. Be here. And Jesus spent two days with them. Two days with them. And in verse 39, it says this. Many, say many. Many Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because um, because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. They didn't believe in Jesus because of of miracles or, or fancy speech or any of those things, they believed because this woman took time to talk about the recovery she experienced at the well in the presence of Jesus. And she was open about it. She was honest about it and probably talked to people. They didn't want to have anything to do with her. But because of that, because of that, they had their own encounter and many people came to believe. And when we share what has taken place in our lives, that, that when we do that, it, it encourages people. It draws people in. It allows them to experience the things that, that we've experienced, to have the lives that, that, that we're pursuing and to be a part of what we're a part of. And so because of that, many people believed in the village. And so um, John 4.41 um, said, long enough for many more to hear his message. So Jesus stayed for those two days, long enough for many more to hear his message. And then in verse 42, it says this, then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know he is indeed the savior of the world. And that's such a beautiful thing because what drew me in again, was encouragement from others, invitations from others, that, that I was invited here before I showed up here. I was invited here and encouraged to be a part of this. And what other people had encountered encouraged me and caused me to stay. And then because of that, I had my own experience. Their story wasn't, wasn't good enough to keep me here long term. But, but God, when we lean into him, he wants to do the same thing in our lives that he's done in somebody else's. And he wants to extend the same opportunities that he's extended to them, to us. And so as we, we might show up because of what they've told us, that when we stay long enough and we engage long enough, we walk away with our own story, our own testimony, that then we in turn go out and share in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost so that people will come and experience it. And we get to be a part of a life-changing ministry just by sharing what God's done in our lives. And so I love that again, that now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know He is indeed the savior of the world. And so um, point number three, as we're moving on, it says this. It says sharing 
helps bring healing. Sharing helps bring healing. That, that there's, there's a process for this. Like, that it's meant for everyone. We're meant to share our story. Our story is for everybody, to, to encourage them, to lift them up. But something significant happens through the process, that, that we heal more. That, that the more that we get that brokenness out there and, and talk about it, um, not only does it impact others, but it impacts us. Um, for me, one of the biggest things, so um, three years ago, a little over three years ago, um, I got up on this stage and I shared my testimony for the first time. There was elements of that that I'd never told anybody. And so in the process of coming to that place to publicly share something on this platform, um, one, I went to my wife who didn't know elements of my, my past, and so I told her first. I told my family who had never heard these things either. They never really understood. And then I got on, on this platform um, a little while later and I shared that. And, and something happened. That, that this was something that even in my relationship with Jesus, even though I'd grown so far and I dealt with addiction, that this had been a cloud over my head. That it had been a significant thing that I struggled with all the time. I still dealt with shame and embarrassment and guilt from it, and, and I can't even begin to express the freedom I felt after I stepped off of that platform, after having shared with a room full of over 100 people this thing I'd carried in my life for, for over 30 years, that, that this thing that had been there, that as I shared it, that, that a, a weight was lifted off. And, and the more that I've talked about it, the more that I've gotten it out there, the more I heal, the more I grow, the, the less the less it influences me and impacts me, the, the less it holds me back, that there's something significant that takes place when we share our stories, whether it was something that happened to us or something that, I, that we did, right? There's things that we've done that come with shame and guilt where we know that we've messed up. We know that we've blown it. But again, as we share those things, as we're open with them, healing comes from it. So again, point number three is sharing helps bring healing. James 5, 16 says this, confess your sins, to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Say healed. healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results that, that there's things in our life that, that, have, that, that have been holding, there's things in your life that have been holding you back, that have been holding you back. And, and the only thing at this point that's keeping you from going forward by leaps and bounds is because you still allow guilt or shame, or condemnation to keep you from saying, this is a part of my past. God's been dealing with this. God set me free. That it's just when we step forward and when we begin to share those elements that, that God begins to heal us, that there's a healing that takes place. Again, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed because the earnest prayers of righteous person has great power that produces wonderful results. And that's the culture that we want here. That no matter where you're at, what seasonal life you're in, no matter where you're at in your recovery, that, that you would have that level of comfort to step forward and to come to us and be like, this is a part of my past or, or this is something that I'm struggling with today. This is something that I'm dealing with. And, and to, to have that trust in knowing that, that we're here for you, that this exists so that we can come together and grow together and, and, and journey together in a significant way. And, and, and it's, it's not so we can hold it against you. It's so that you can experience the healing that God has for you. And one last verse as we close. Um, it's Psalms 105 verses one through two. And 
It's just something I, I encourage you guys to keep just at the forefront of your mind throughout the week. And it says this, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. That, that as we move forward in life, that again, no matter where you're at, you have a story. That, that we, we know that, that God's brought each of us through significant things. And, and don't let the enemy convince you that just because you have some other struggles that you can't share. You'll never be good enough or perfect enough in your mind to begin doing the thing that God's called you to do. You've got to push that aside and realize you have something to offer today. Now, not only do you have something to offer, but the God's ask you to be his witness, to share it with the people around you, to share it with those that you encounter day in and day out. And through that process, not only do you have the opportunity and the privilege to impact the people out there, but God uses our transparency to do a work in here and to heal us in ways that you may have been missing out on up until this moment. And so again, give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his greatness, let the whole world know what he has done, sing to him, yes, sing his praises, tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Go out into the world, ask me, ask me about my hope as a believer, ask me about my recovery, ask me about my church, ask me about my family that's here on Sundays and Mondays. Let me share with you the, the greatness of God, the goodness of God, and let's give thanks to him and praise him together and grow together. And so to recap, point number one was we are meant to share our story. That's God's gift to you. That God, as he puts you back together, as he's helped you through dark periods and dark seasons in life, that that's his gift and that gift is meant to be shared with those around you. So we are meant to share our story. Number two, our stories bring others to recovery. That, that we have the opportunity to grow this just through the way that we live our lives. That we have the opportunity to grow his church just by sharing what he's done. That, that it's a significant thing. It, it's our greatest tool to reach the people in our, in our world. And that's the exact reason why the enemy tries to convince you so much that your story's insignificant, that nobody cares, that everybody would be indifferent, or that you should still carry shame or guilt because of your past. But you shouldn't. You should share it. You're meant to share it, and you're meant to share it because our stories bring others to recovery. And number three, sharing helps bring healing. That as we walk through life, that, that the more you get it out there, the more you talk about those things that, that were a place of guilt, that, that were a place of, of shame, that, that held you back, the more you get that out there and the more you push it out there, the more God's able to heal us in our lives. And our action steps with this. Number one, I want to challenge you. Again, pick up cards on your way out. Invite somebody to be a part of this. Invite somebody to be a part of this. Pray that they show up. Don't just stop at handing them a card. Invite them Pray that they'll be a part of it. Number two, share your story with somebody. Just take a moment and God will reveal to you when that time's right and, and just share a little bit of your past, what he's done, what he's dealt with. You don't need to know scripture to share what God's done in your life. You don't need to be literate in anything biblical to just tell somebody how God's impacted you. And so go and share your story with somebody who could be encouraged by what God's doing in your life. There's people in this room. I'm on this platform today because somebody did that. They invited me and they shared 
how God changed their story. And so tonight as we close and as we finish up, that, that everything that we talk about here, it's centered around one thing and that's Jesus. That, that my greatest hope and desire for you is that you would come into that relationship, that you would experience him and encounter him in a significant way, that, that you would submit to him so that you can have your, your best life, that you can you encounter and experience something great. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never made that decision, that's where it all starts. And I wanna encourage you that that service closes in just a moment, that we'll have our chip prayers and huggers up here. And, and if you're in here today and you wanna make that choice, that, that you're like, today's the day that I'm gonna make Jesus Lord. I'm gonna pursue something different. That you have that opportunity, come forward. Let us pray with you and for you and lead you in that prayer so that your story can be changed forever. And if you're in here and you've gotten off track, you, you feel like you're blowing it, that you've messed up, that, that you can never come back, you're wrong, you can. That we serve a God of, of many chances, many chances. And it's never too late to come back and say, God, I need you. I've blown it. And he'll welcome you back, open arms every time. And so if you need to recommit tonight, our offer's the same, come forward. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. Let us help lead you back to his open arms. And then if there's something that God's kind of pressed in your mind or in your heart that you need to deal with, um, that you need to, to give up, to, to lay at his feet, um, whatever it is, whether it's a substance or an attitude or a thought, um, a stronghold, anything, and you're just like, you know what? I'm done carrying this. We're gonna have our white chips up here at the front. And, and I wanna encourage you to come pick one of these up. There's a blank space on them. You can write today's date. You can write down what it is. This chip, it's not for us, it's for you. You keep that with you. That, that's, that's between you and God. And you carry it in your pocket, in your car, just as a reminder that, that I've given this to him and that you're trusting that he'll walk you through it and that he'll help you to deal with it. And so I encourage you to pick one of those up. And then lastly, if you just need prayer tonight, whether it's a prayer or celebration, God's done something significant in your life and you need some people to celebrate with, we're family, that's what we're here for. We wanna be a part of that. Or if you're struggling and you just need prayer and guidance and, and that's you, we wanna do that. If you just need prayer, we would love to pray with you. So for any of those things, to come to Christ, to recommit, to pick up a chip or just let us pray with you. For any of those things, we encourage you to come to the front. And so as we close tonight, I want you guys to stand to your feet, and join us in worship.